you phone her? I'm Ahab. <laughs> We're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. If you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information this week, Chip. Um, uh, uh, information's out there somewhere. Uh, it's the uh, beginning of the school year for 2023, my first few weeks of school and uh, musical season. So I don't know what's been happening in the world, Chip. <laughs> Well, for musical season for you, that means uh, Steve um, is working 12 hours a day, mm-hmm. and uh, the kids are enjoying it, they Steve. Love it. They love it. They, I, I love putting on musicals. I love seeing the growth that we get over the course of a production. Uh, it, 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 the, the first few weeks are challenging sometimes, Chip. <laughs> well, you know, you've got to get organized. Mm-hmm. You've got to get the material kind of familiarized. Uh, and then at that point, you just have to start putting together, you know, tightening it up and, and uh, making it happen. So I know this part of it is frustrating in the sense that it seems overwhelming. But um, I know somebody who's done this for um, a few years. So I'm sure he'll have it down and the kids will have it down just in time for it to happen. Thanks, Coach. Chip has and flow. Life Coach. <laughs> Film at 11. Brings us to our Film at 11, our movie of the week. Hey, Chip, did you make it to the movie theater this week? Steve, I did make it to the movie theater this week. And did you see a wonderful, fantastic film that might very well be film of the year? In fact, it should be film of the year. I'll go ahead and say it. Our film was The Whale. Uh, This came out last year. This would be eligible for 2022's awards. And this film should win Best Picture. So this is the story of a morbidly obese English teacher who is estranged from his family, living in an apartment. Uh, Tell me all about The Whale. All right. So this stars Brendan Fraser. So some people may remember him. He was kind of this uh, light, poppy, uh, action, comedy type of star from, I don't know, 50 years ago, Steve. (laughs) I'm not sure that that math works out. I'm not sure that that, but it is at least a lifetime ago because I saw The Mummy at a blockbuster video convention in Las Vegas, my friend. All right. Well, certainly, Brendan Fraser had some injuries. He went through some life events. And certainly had to kind of put himself together. Many people who are actors go away for a period of time and then come back. I will tell you that most actors don't come back with material as strong as this. This is a one-room play. This is, it really takes place in an apartment. And then the actors who are coming to visit come to visit him inside this one room. So he is the focus of it. He is a, um, a person that we're going to learn over the course of the play, that is a film, that uh, made some choices. Those choices had some impacts, and they impacted a lot of people. And it is a very grown-up film that deals with grown-up subjects and certainly a life of chances that we all want to have, potential regrets, and the joy that can come from those periods where we 
find joy. I mean, I, I don't know how to say that. Uh, but anyway, he is not in a moment of joy at this. Mm-hmm. He has let his life go just straight down. He is suffering from depression. We are going to learn why that has happened over the course of our story. He has a nurse that comes to visit him. His depression has led him to overeat. I mean, he's at a point where he can barely stand. Uh, to get into bed, he's had to use these lifters, as in he pulls himself up just to slide into bed. And that's if he can get up to get down to the bed. There are many days that he is sitting on the couch, basically, all the time. Mm. He's suffering from con- congestive heart failure. He is being asked to go, begged by the nurse, please, let me take you to the hospital. And his constant reply is, I don't have the money to go to the hospital. So I'm willing to die in order to avoid an expense. And she rightly points out, hey, listen, if you're dead, it doesn't matter. But he is suffering from, you know, some of life events. We are introduced to a number of characters. We have an evangelical who comes to visit him from Waterloo, Iowa, interestingly enough. Uh, He's a kid. He's on a mission, and he's going to save his soul. Hmm. So at the same time, we have this um, event happening to him. We're having this person who is experiencing his own personal book of revelation. Life is short. The end of times are coming. He's being told, life is short. The end of times are coming. And he's looking at this young person. As an older person looks at a young person going, you don't, you don't have enough experience on this. Hmm. Your belief is strong, but your experience doesn't really allow you to put this in perspective. And he has his daughter come and visit him because of some choices he made earlier in his life. He hasn't seen his daughter since he was she was eight years old. And uh, she's 15 now. And he's going to die. He constantly tells her how wonderful she is. But she can't receive it because she's angry. Mm-hmm. She's angry at him. She's angry at life. She's fi- she's fighting with life. But he's constantly feeding her. That this time will pass. That she is special. She has special gifts. She just needs to trust the process. And many young people really are struggling with this. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember, he's falling apart. His life is, he's a prisoner of himself. He can't exit himself. He can't exit the apartment because of his life. His ex-wife comes to visit. Same thing. She is uh, bitter. She's um, got substance abuse problems. She's drinking and really struggling. His leaving caused the pain that she's experiencing. There's this part where, you know, you can imagine what a big guy who can't shower the way he needs to shower, what this apartment is smelling. He's doesn't have a shirt on and um, she kind of lays on him and you can just see that she just melts into him because she hasn't been able to move on either. She uh, constantly thinks her daughter's evil. He constantly feeds back. She's not evil. She's young. It is such 
just one powerful movement after another. We get a few visitors who don't come in. We have a pizza guy where he leaves the money in a um, the mailbox outside. He drops off the pizzas. Over time, I mean, this is maybe a daily type thing. Over time, the guy goes, hey, I'm, I think his name is Dan. Hey, I'm Dan. Are you okay in there? He's always checking up on him. There's the other part. Is that Brendan Fraser's character always has people checking on him, mm-hmm. but he can't receive it. Hmm. He can't accept it. And there's, when I say adult redemption, grown-up redemption throughout this film, there's there's many um, sort of talks about this. This is about being truthful. This is about following the things that you think are the correct things. This is about trying to get the most out of people actually engaging in life. And once again, the person trying to do that is the person who can't receive, who is not in a position to do that, but is kind of reminding his people of this. He can teach online. He teaches over a laptop. He keeps his camera off because he doesn't want to offend his his uh students Hmm. but the but the deal is is they're reading stuff but the kids aren't really reading it um they're writing stuff but they don't really care what they're writing Mm -hmm. and he basically gets to the point and says screw it you know just write me some truth and so this is from the moment you get there to the moment you leave i think this is incredibly powerful i think that they're going to have to work on the dust filters in the uh, theater. Yeah, there's dust everywhere. Your eyes are almost <laughs> always watering. Wow! So uh, it is powerful. This is the most powerful film I've seen this year. I put eighty-eight out of a hundred. I, I don't think I could um, state enough that if you're interested in a powerful play, that is a film. This is where you're going to get it. That might be your highest score ever. I think I think that 88 is over and above anything that you've given any movie before. And this movie has clearly touched you and, and made you think about some of these issues. One of the issues that you mentioned there was the healthcare system and how our healthcare system in this country might be one of the themes of what we can do better as a result of this story. Well, I mean, that you could you could take it that way. I, I think it's a person who values himself so little mm. that it's set up. The system's set up. Mm-hmm. All you needed to do was show up. Now, you may sign your life away to do it, but if you're dead, so be it. Right. But you Money have to It doesn't be, matter when you're dead. Exactly. Yeah. And the sacrifices he makes for the benefit of his daughter. Mm-hmm. The there's a dishonest part that he has to deal with, but the point is, is what the daughter receives at 17 or 18 when he's no longer here, it's not enough. Yeah, yeah, he missed, he missed out on the time that he could have made a difference. He thought he was doing the right thing, he failed this part. Mm. This is, you know, this is a life of failure and a life of, of goodness. And his gift is 
that he, he tried to experience life. He tried to be truthful. But those things had uh, had impacts that were, mm-hmm. they, could, they had negative impacts all around him. And he left people devastated around him. And for the daughter, for my example, she's just a young person. Mm-hmm. Man, nobody wrote the angry child, the um, the teenaged angst better than this film. Right. Um, this nurse, once again, nobody wrote the nurse better. Trying to do what's best, begging for just, all you have to do is tell me to buy in. We'll bring the ambulance here. Mm-hmm. No. And mm-hmm. just Brendan Fraser, man, has the despair of a person who is just, he's given up on his life, but he still wants everyone else to live. Mm. And it's just, he, he couldn't see it for himself. Right. So anyway, powerful, powerful. Awesome. I've heard great things. Brendan Fraser was on fly on the wall this week with David Spade and Dana Carvey. And uh, they, they were very positive on the, the, themes of this movie and talking about how this might be the film of the year and talking about how well received this film has been a six minute standing ovation at the Venice film festival. That's uh that's pretty interesting to think about how, how much impact a story like this can have on our society. The film ended on my showing and it was complete silence. Wow. Stunned. I mean, silence. Just at- absolutely like they've just gone through something very powerful this is the the writer of this holy cow i want to see more of what he's written and the ability to tell this type of story and like i said in a one room setting this this is a play this could be done at your local little theater um and it and it should be this is this is got the right type of cast it's got the right price points in the sense of what it would take to put it on. It addresses so many good things as far as parts of life. Worth worthy of its time. If um, we we could not sit through emotional uh, stories like this all the time. Okay, nice. I'm glad that you got a chance to see that. I'm glad that you went through that, and uh, I I hope to get a chance to see that movie at some point i i went the other but, way with it this week chip let's I, go light steve i, I went something light i went really light with it this week i went to the sitcoms two new reboot sitcoms hit uh my screen this week night court premiered on nbc this is the uh continuation of the must-see tv nbc show from 1984 to 1992 this is just silly straight sitcom and i loved every minute of it the characters give us just enough emotion just enough silliness and then totally break any kind of emotion with a completely out of the left field joke i enjoyed night court very much they premiered the first two episodes last week and i look forward to more of those did they do back to back they did back to back on tuesday night yes sir a full hour of silly sitcoms and i i ate it up and I look forward to seeing the further adventures of Dan Fielding and all the new cast. 
That 90s show hit Netflix this week. They dumped all 10 episodes on Netflix, and I sat and watched about two hours of this sitcom this week. This is, once again, that nostalgia piece. This is... They do a fun trick on that 90s show because it's not only the nostalgia for the 90s, but it's also the nostalgia for the 90s when that 70s show was on. So we get the nostalgia for all sorts of different eras of time, different generations, and how different generations interact with their piece of nostalgia. The cast on this one it felt like they never left all of the original characters who are available came back and it was just like an acting troupe. Like once again, this troupe of actors is on stage and interacting with each other in, in a beautiful way. So silly and joyous. Uh, my 21 year old really enjoys this show because of that nostalgia from the era when he was younger. And I enjoy it for all sorts of nostalgic reasons. And the cast of this one is, is going to go places the young people uh, have a future in front of them, just like Topher Grace did in that 70s show, for sure. All right. <laughs> I love silly sitcoms. You you can you can have your your truly emotional film, and I'll have my silly sitcom. Thank you very much. Book it, book it, book it. Book it, book it, book it. Brings us to our book it, our book of the week. Uh, hey, Chip, here's a book you'll never read. It's called Legends and Lattes. This is a book published in 2022. It was recommended to me by James Thompson on the Incomparable podcast. Uh, they, okay. they had a category on that show called suggest a sci-fi or fantasy book that you could recommend to a non-sci-fi non-fantasy reader well, well that that would be for me uh, or me because i do not like fantasy storytelling i enjoy sci-fi to wars. no end i know star wars and doctor who technically technically if you look at it with a microscope are fantasy stories not science fiction but i need in my reading a little more science to the reasoning behind things i don't enjoy most fantasy writing so this book that's 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 why there's metachlorian steve <laughs> makes the science happen talking into your lady razor oh there's metachlorian this book, Legends and Lattes, written by Travis Baldry, he is an audiobook narrator who really took a big swing at storytelling in this novel of high fantasy and low stakes. This is a very low stakes story about an orc named Viv who hangs up her sword for the last time and opens a coffee shop. Yes, you're already laughing, Chip. Yes, an orc named Viv. <laughs> Can uh, the coffee shop uh, save maybe the local rec center too? <laughs> uh, if they just do a dance-off, Steve. They could do a dance-off. I'm surprised there wasn't a dance-off in this story, for sure. At the coffee shop. 
to save the, if the kids could just get together they'll do a dance off Steve. yes <laughs> you understand this story without even having read it Absolutely right. <laughs> this orc who is this big powerful creature decides that she doesn't want to be on the battlefield anymore and she opens a coffee shop and she has a new friend named Thandry, who is a succubus. So a succubus and an orc walk into a coffee shop. Sounds the, like the beginning of a, a joke, doesn't it? it? It does sound like a beginning of a joke, Steve. What happens? This is a very interesting story about characters. This is very, very much in the vein of Terry Pratchett's Discworld novels, where we have normal earth style stories told with this twist of this orc and this succubus by the way the orc and the succubus uh, fall in love by the end of the book spoilers <laughs> it's like it's like a harlequin too steve it is very silly yeah. they fall in love by the end of the story and they they go through all the the trials and tribulations of opening a small business uh we we focus a lot in our day on small business and small restaurants. We have a lot of friends who have all of the the difficulties of opening small business and having the the wherewithal to get up every morning and get done the work for the community. That's the story here is this community of people coming together around this thing called coffee that nobody in the town had ever heard of. They introduced the the idea of coffee to this town and the people love it and they line up around the corner to get this magical potion that is coffee you're laughing again <laughs> this is a very silly very fun little read uh, it, it's won awards it won the barnes and noble best book of 2022 it is a new york times bestseller it has uh, Goodreads Best Fantasy Choice Award. It this is a fun, fun little story with with very little to it. It's just taking a break from all of the the harried lifestyle and focusing on what would it be like to open a coffee shop if you were an orc and a succubus. You know, standard storytelling. It, it seems like it. It seems like it. <laughs> it's fun. I I admire uh this author travis baldry's ability to decide to write a story put it down on paper and sell it and have people around the world go that's really good travis that's well done he is an audiobook narrator and uh i look forward to what he brings to us later this is the first of two books in this series so there is a second book that uh, still focuses on these two characters and and what they get into over over time this time they enter introduce tea what could it be next scones what what could it be next it could be anything a starbucks moves across the street and all of a sudden they have to compete the local versus the national the quicker stop <laughs> yes this is fun this this is completely lose yourself and forget your troubles kind of reading uh, i i admire 611 opens up just one more hour 
I recommend this book to everybody other than Chip. <laughs> this is a, a fun exploration of characters, well character driven story about small business and all the things that go with it. It's Legends and Lattes, published in 2022 by Travis Baldry. Scroll with it. Brings it to our scroll with it. There's plenty of things happening in the world. Let's talk about almost none of them. Uh, all of our all of our news this week comes from the technology field, Chip. Doom and gloom, Steve. Doom and gloom. Yeah, 2023. Just shut it down. Shut it down, everyone. No, I shouldn't say doom and gloom. No? Actually, things have been up this, this year. Uh, but anyway, um, a lot of companies are riding their ship right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's talk a little bit about Amazon. They're laid off. Uh, they're laying off 18,000 people. 18,000 people. That That is a large number. Okay. But they, they ramped up a lot of hiring uh, during Correct. during the uh, pandemic. Microsoft is laying off roughly about 10,000. In fact, um, the CEO of Microsoft, his name is escaping right now, really... Yeah, he, he, he spent a lot of time saying that this is, was not... He understands what it will mean to these employees. He asks them, you know, basically not to look at it with despair. Uh, the talented, just at this point, Microsoft has to make a change. My other favorite thing that I read about um, Alphabet is um, they don't use Alphabet. They say Google's parent company lays off 12,000 people. So Alphabet certainly has entered the zeitgeist of um, of. <laughs> So everybody knows who it is. Kind of like Meta, Steve. Meta has uh, the parent company of Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I, I love sharing that information with my students. Like, you know, the company Alphabet? And they go, no, we've never heard of it. And I said, oh, well, they, they're the company that owns Google. And they go, wait, a company owns a company? How is that possible? I said, it's complicated. But you know Alphabet because they have a whole list of companies that they are managing. Well, how, how fascinating that is. Apple seems to so far have escaped that, but the um, suggestion is that they just didn't do a lot of hiring during the pandemic. I think that we are seeing a, a shift that is just a shift back here. This is the beginning of the year, and they're they're taking a look at what, what they did in the previous year and, and making those adjustments. That happens, right? Companies expand because they think demand's going to be someplace. Um, but what's happened is they, they kind of have to eventually write the ship. They have boards of directors and say, hey, listen, this isn't profitable. So, I mean, one of the things that really got hit, just reminded me, was comic, comicsology. They mm -hmm. laid off the entire staff. Wow. So for an app that was the go-to app, for an app that made such a big difference, Amazon bought it, eventually gutted it. Um, and it is just part of Kindle. I don't even think that uh, it's just a tough app to use now. Mm. Um, anyway, to be so far ahead and to abandon things, that sounds a lot like uh, technology companies. Sounds a lot like what Warner Brothers is doing with HBO Max lately, too. That 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 being very far ahead and then seeing the expenses pile up and needing to, to cut losses. I'm not sure if that's a proper uh, review of what's going on at Time Warner or Warner, Warner Brothers. I don't know what their parent companies now. They own HBO, right? Um, but they, when the pandemic hit, happened, 
And the CEO at the time chose to introduce all of their films through the HBO Max, which is a crazy name anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they took the entire catalog and tried to put it through their own app, I think that that's one of the problems is that you are a big company. You have lots of properties. If Amazon is releasing a time of the, uh, a Lord of the Rings type of program based on Tolkien's, why not lease your ownership of a property to the company that is using that property? Using it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, th- I think that they're just, they had crazy costs. They're trying to figure out how to best work with their catalog of information. In fact, I think they're selling off their uh, music catalog is the latest uh-huh. thing, too. Anyway, uh, I, I, a lot of companies do this. A lot of companies overextend themselves. And then at that point, eventually have to write the ship, kind mm-hmm. of find a way to become profitable, and then make choices. Yep. Going forward, we're going to see a lot of changes. Uh, AI is uh, one of my big focuses when I'm talking with my students about the future of technology. There's some interesting. Is that, AI is that what a pirate? Is that what a pirate says? AI. Yes. <laughs> what does AI mean, Steve? Artificial intelligence. We are moving forward in technology and programming to get to the point where machines can look like, act like they are thinking, doing the work that needs to be done, automating those things. The machine learning that we're working on in technology is certainly going forward in 2023. There's some interesting projects happening. Microsoft unveiled their Valley uh, AI this month. And uh, yeah, Valley is in charge of simulating voices. This program, if you give it a short uh, matter of seconds audio sample it can make a voice uh artificially and fool just about anybody with this computer programming really? that's yeah that is that's quite a a change in thinking if if i hear somebody's voice I tend to believe that that's a person and you know, when you're talking to a a robot most of the time, right? When the, when the phone rings and it waits a few seconds and then you hear this friendly voice and it might not be a real person. Now Um, recording. Now recording. Microsoft's Valley is going to be the next generation in voice simulation. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got the, services google voice was set up you know the google assistant it's it looks like that apple has abandoned their original voice and has a number of other voices you can choose from now and you know waze has voices you can choose from alexa Mm -hmm. has voices you can choose from so we've got the technology the question is is that how they're using well how how are they using it yeah. Um, I, I ask my students sometimes if my voice is coming out of a computer, if it is my voice that is telling you something, does that give you an idea, a feeling of whether or not you should believe that voice because you recognize that person? Does that make that voice sentient? Is that computer program, that AI, 
thinking when it's able to process voice does your mind automatically think that and i think that we're going to get to an uncanny valley i think that's why they call it valley by the way i think we're going to get to an uncanny valley of voices where i don't know i i don't know if i can trust a voice that is telling me something and that might be a something that's important for a company to do so there could be the part where you call in you've had a car accident the ai says Steve, are you safe? Do mm-hmm. we need to call this? You know, however they want to say it. But there also is the moment where we want to know it's AI and not a real person. Right. Where it may it needs to have a you know now recording needs to have a, a click or something that distinguishes it. Maybe making it uh, with a lot of anxiety, like C three PO. You never. Mm-hmm. I look forward to a world where I have the ability to have a conversation with my technology where my technology is that that silly robot that watches movies with me i look forward to that but i i still am apprehensive about where that could go after watching a lot of sci-fi movies and seeing how ai could be dangerous possibly go wrong steve possibly Uh, go wrong uh, just possibly Atlas, the bipedal robot, uh, has hands now. Welcome to the world where you have the possibility of a robot walking around in your world with a, a giant claw of a hand and doing things in your world with you. This is the future of robotics, for sure. All right. And NVIDIA showed us a new technology where on Zoom or on video calls of whatever type, they can digitally move your pupils so that it looks like your eyes are looking at the camera regardless of what screen you're looking at. Students have rejoiced about that. That's exactly my first thought. Precisely my first thought was the Zoom years uh, with my students not looking at my screen, not paying attention, being busy doing something else uh, might be a thing of the past because NVIDIA will go ahead and digitally move their pupils for them. My always, pupils, get it? Always on, <laughs> always on time, always there. Always on time. This is a little late. A little late for the Zoom years. Is that what you're saying? Since we are currently on Zoom yeah. recording this show, Chip. <laughs> and your <laughs> eyes are currently not looking at the camera. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm actually looking at it. You've got we've the way Steve and I are recording, I'm recording off two screens. One is where it's recording me, and the other one is I'm looking at the document. Mm-hmm. And I put my camera near the document so it looks like I'm looking at the camera. That's what NVIDIA yeah. can do for you. Move your camera. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Chip. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think? Only if we can come back next week, Steve. Only if the AI will let us. <laughs> we would love to hear from you. Give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is TooMuchScrolling.com. Our email is TooMuchScrolling at gmail.com. We're still on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube. And you can always ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Too Much Scrolling. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Fodor. And I'm Ahab, the captain. AI. So we don't talk about <laughs> See you in the future.